All right, well, as we gather together here in the West Auditorium, the East Auditorium, online, and in Lovington, in all locations, I want to invite all of you just to stick uh, one of your hands just up in the air, just like so. I can see if you're not doing it in here. In other rooms, you do what you want, but I can tell if you're not participating. Okay, good. All right, just go ahead and break the elbow about right there. Give yourself one of these. And congratulate yourself on perfect church attendance in 2020. (laughs) Way to go. Yes, well done. Well done. Uh, Well, my name is Brian, uh, one of the pastors here, and look forward to looking at God's Word here today as we start this new series, OK Go, uh, where we're going to start off in Luke chapter 4. So wherever you're at, I'd invite you to turn in a Bible, maybe you got a new iPad for Christmas with the Bible app on it, you can go there, wherever. Uh, Luke chapter 4 is where we'll be as we really start off this understanding of what it means to OK Go. And here's the premise of it, uh, that we just got through celebrating at Christmas, you could say, uh, the coming of Jesus Christ who lived and ministered and showed us how uh, to follow him, and then he died uh, for the forgiveness of our sins and rose from the grave, and then after that spent 40 days uh, with his followers, giving them final instructions on what it meant for them, uh, you could say, to go, to okay, go. And the way he said it, in his final words to the disciples, and really his final word to us, is uh, he says, hey, all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, and he says, therefore, go. Or as we're calling it, okay, given all of that, go. And Jesus says, go, go and make disciples, followers of me, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. Teaching them everything I've commanded, and surely, this is the good news, Jesus says, I am with you. I am with you to the very end of the age, and all of what I've called you to go and do, Jesus is with us. And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the course of this series. What does it look like for us to say, okay, given what Jesus has done in our lives, how do we now go with that. Um, And this understanding of what it means to go is going to be what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. But today we're going to start, you could say, with the okay portion. That before we dive into what it means for us to go and share what it is that we supposedly have, we have to start with, okay, what is it that we have? Or you might say it this way, you can't go and give what you don't got. Okay? Now, I know that's really bad grammar in English, but I like the way the G's sound. You can't go and give what you don't got, or if it helps you, what you do not have, okay? If that's for some of you just needed that, okay? You cannot go and give what you do not have. You can't go and give what you don't got. So what do we got? What do we have in Jesus? And that's what we want to focus on. As Jesus said, what's on the inside of our hearts and our lives, uh, our mouths will speak, our lives will be lit. So let's, let's focus on what's on the inside as we look forward to going to illustrate what this looks like for us uh, today and in the weeks ahead. Uh, I love the um, Gatorade campaign, marketing campaign of a few years ago, uh, where um, they had, uh, the, 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 the slogan was, is it in you? Is it in you? With this understanding that you've got like Gatorade so much inside of you that it's literally like drops of Gatorade is coming out of your pores because it's in you, right? Uh, that that's as strange as it is, I think it's a pretty beautiful picture of the understanding of what we have in Jesus Christ. That when the Lord is in our lives, which he is if you've accepted him as your Savior and Lord, um, the question is, is it so in you, are you so in tune to that that it just naturally is just coming out of you and who you are and all that he's called you to go and to be and to do, okay? And so, we're gonna focus on that okay portion, and to help us with that, we're gonna look, uh, actually not to help us, to lead us in that, we're gonna look at God's word. So, Luke chapter four, 
Starting in verse 42, I'd invite you to follow along with me there. And so this is in the course of Jesus' early ministry. He's just getting things started. And it says, uh, after some ministry, the next day, at daybreak, it says, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And so he kept on preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. Okay. So the first takeaway that we see in this passage that Jesus is giving us in the way that he's modeled his life as we follow him, the way that we want to live our lives, is really that first question of, okay, is it in you? Okay, is it in you? With this understanding that at daybreak, or as we see throughout Jesus' ministry, it said you know, he'd get up early in the morning on a regular basis, uh, where he'd go, it would say, to a solitary place where he would pray, where he would reflect on the reality of God's word inside of him, where he would get connected to God the Father, and really where he would focus on that okay time, like, okay, uh, here is who I am as defined by my Father, okay, here is why I'm here, okay, here is why I am sent, okay, here is what I've got, as Jesus, here's what I've got so that I can go and give what I've got. And so just like Jesus, we too, in order for us to really understand our go, what it is he's calling us to go and do, we also have to regularly, I would argue, Jesus would argue, God's word says daily, we want to be in tune to who it is we are, to whose we are, who we are, and why it is we are sent, as we understood in that, you could say the solitary place where we are connecting to God the Father through um, really nothing new here, through his word for us and through prayer. And so that would be my question for us to start 2020 in some ways. How is the solitary place, space in your life uh, taking place? Or is it taking place? Are you spending time in God's word and praying to really connect it is to who it is uh, that you are? Uh, is it in you so that we can then look forward to all that God has for us as we go in our lives? And for some of you, maybe you even made that a New Year's resolution. Like, okay, I wanna start spending time uh, this year going through God's word or praying or, or whatever the case may be. But if we're honest, there's things that, um, that prevent us from doing that for whatever reason. Um, and, if, and if that wasn't the case, it wouldn't be a New Year's resolution, right? We don't make New Year's resolutions like, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, shower daily, hopefully. Hopefully that's something you just already habitualized. But there's something about taking the time in the solitary place to get in God's word and pray that for some reason we get prevented from or distracted in such a way that we almost say, okay, I wanna do this, I wanna commit to this. So there's a story uh, a little bit later in Jesus' ministry that gives, uh, I think, an example as to how we can all share in and relate to, I think, the challenge it is for us to really get into that solitary place, to have some okay time connecting to God in his word and prayer. Uh, it comes in Luke chapter 10, so I invite you to flip over a few pages uh, just to follow along with what's taking place there. Some of you might be familiar with it, and maybe you're not, but it's, it's understood as the story or really the contrast between uh, a gal by the name of Mary and a gal by the name of Martha, a couple of sisters who encounter Jesus and how that plays out for them. Okay, so Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, she came to Jesus, and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I'm glad some of you got that, that's good. Uh, Now, he didn't say that, but it was close. Verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, and, and this is us. This is where we relate. This is our obstacle. These are, this is where all of us live, if we're honest with ourselves. Jesus says to Martha, and probably to us, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, he says, only one is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, I appreciate this story, but I think, again, if we're honest, we also appreciate Martha's point of view a little bit. You know, she's got things to do. And, and don't misunderstand, these aren't bad things that Martha's doing. They're good and necessary things. You know, it's, it's good for us as we think about our day to make preparations for our day. It's good that you shower going into your day and fix that bedhead and brush your teeth. Like, these are good and necessary preparations for your day. But make no mistake that as a part of that, Jesus is going to say, ultimately, Mary has chosen what is better. Because Mary has taken the time to, ma- to really focus on what matters most, and that is whose she is, who she is, and what God is calling her to do by sitting at the feet of Jesus. She has chosen what is better to understand who she is and what God has given her, what she's got, so that she can then go and give as well. And so the challenge from Jesus here. Uh, for us all in 2020 would be for us to, like Mary, to, quote, choose what is better. To choose what is better. To be, you could say, to be intentional about what is better. And so I would encourage you, how are you going to be intentional in your sitting at the feet of Jesus, in your solitary place, in your getting in his word, praying on a daily, regular basis? Breaking this down real practically, you're gonna have to be intentional and decide, okay, you know, where is my solitary place? Where is this gonna take place? And I would add to that, when is it gonna take place? All right, very practical, when and where. Uh, Maybe your when is, you know, just at least after the coffee is poured, okay? Maybe that's your when. Like, whenever that's done, boom, I'm good to go. And your where could be, at that point, at the kitchen table or or wherever. Uh, Maybe for you, uh, your where is, um, or maybe your when is your lunch hour, and your where is the break room, or your where is you know, sitting uh, in, in the seat of your car uh, over that lunch hour. Whatever the case may be, you've got to discern and you've got to be intentional, you've got to decide. Where is my where, and when is my when? And then from there, what am I gonna do? What is it going to look like for me to sit at Jesus' feet? How am I gonna get in his word and pray? And we don't leave you hanging on that. It's like, I know that Bible is big and thick. Good luck, start reading, you'll see how it goes, um, which you could certainly do. But to aid you in that, uh, in your program, you'll see on the flap there, the next step deal, it says the YouVersion Bible app. And there you'll see a few Bible reading plans, some 
what's of what you might consider doing uh, in your where and when. And, and that is just a sampling of what is hundreds and hundreds of reading plans that are made available on that YouVersion Bible app. Uh, you just go to Bible.com, they're all right there. And you might say, I don't wanna read on my phone. No, you don't have to. I mean, you can read in your Bible that gives you paper cuts or whatever you need to do. Uh, the point is that it has the resource of the reading plans of what to do. And it has a spectrum of everything from 30 seconds a day. If you're saying that's where I wanna start, that's, hey, 30 seconds is better than zero seconds, okay? 30 seconds a day to 30 minutes a day and everything in between on all kinds of topics. So I'd encourage you to, to you know, surf around on that um, and see what you can find for a what as you step into your where and your when. Um, so on your own and maybe for you another part that I think about is maybe it's the going it on your own that is difficult for you. So maybe you know from other areas of your life you've tried to improve that accountability it, you know, having some people around you is a really good idea. And so as we've uh, discussed here already earlier, a small group, a Grow Together small group is a great opportunity uh, for you to study the Bible together and to have this kind of okay time together. It's like, you could say it's like CrossFit for Bible study. You know, you're stronger together, you're better together, you hold some, each other accountable, you don't have to go it alone. So the point is, whatever you do, be intentional so that you actually do it. Have a plan for your okay, is it in you? Okay, And then from there, after the okay is it in you is kind of up and running, it is there that you will discover, secondly, your go. When you're pressing into the okay time, here's who I am based on God's word and prayer time with him, you start to discover this is my go. Or you might say, know your I must. Know your I must. Now what's that about? Well, we see it in our passage here. Again, so if you wanna flip back uh, to Luke chapter four without getting a paper cut. Um, Luke chapter four, back in verse 42 again. So it says, Jesus, he went out to a solitary place. And then from there, it says that the people of that town, they were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, the people, they tried to keep Jesus from leaving them. They didn't want Jesus to go. They wanted him to stay. Now, why is that? The context here is that they are in the town of Capernaum, which you'd see in a few verses prior if we looked at that. In verse 31, they're in the town of Capernaum where the people are loving Jesus. He is casting out demons. He is healing people. They love his teaching. They're like, hey, this guy teaches uh, like one with authority, not like the other teachers they were used to. I mean, things were going well in Capernaum, both for the people of Capernaum and frankly, they're going well for Jesus. I mean, he had just come from a town prior in his ministry where things weren't going so well. In fact, they so disliked what he had to say, they literally tried to push Jesus off of a cliff. Bad day in ministry right? Uh, not what you want. And so he goes to Capernaum, things are good. And this is a little bit of speculation on my part, but I would suspect, um, it says that Jesus, though never sinned, was tempted like we were. And I would suspect he was tempted to stick around in Capernaum. You know, we might even say, hey, look, God's favors on him. Things are going well, you know, healings and, uh, you know, people love the teaching. Like, you know, why not just stick it out in Capernaum? Why not just stay there? Well, Jesus knew through his okay time what it is he was called to do. And so it says this because of what Jesus knows, whose he is, who he is, and why he was sent. In verse 33, read it with me. He said, but I must. Jesus says, I must. If you're like a circler, an underliner, a highlighter, um, you know, glitter glue, whatever it is that you like to point things out in your Bible when you come back to them, you might wanna circle that. I must. 
and he says, this is I must. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. I must. What is God's I must for you? What is God's I must for you? And if you don't feel like you know the answer to that or could use some clarity on that, uh, I will invite you in your okay time to spend some time asking that question. I would say every time you go to the okay time throughout the month of January, throughout this okay go series, I would invite you to pray a simple prayer in that solitary place and time. And that is simply, Lord, show me my, I must. Lord, show me my, I must. Every time you pray, every time you read scripture through that lens, uh, when you have prayer requests in small group, Lord, show me my, I must, until it's clear, and then once it's clear, keep praying it so that you stay rooted in that I must that God has for you. Um, because I guarantee, I don't guarantee, God's word guarantees, we are all called to an I must. We are all called to an I must. We are all called to go. You know, we think maybe, oh, maybe that's later on in the Christian journey. Like, yeah, I'm kind of new to this. You know, I've only been doing this 27 years. I'm not sure I'm ready to go and tell people and share my faith or whatever the case would be. I'm glad someone thought that was funny. Um, you know, we, we read the, you know, the Great Commission. You know, it's the end of Jesus' ministry. Therefore, go, make disciples. You know, that's kind of that's like, you know, you know, 900 level stuff. That's like advanced. But that's not the case because what we see is that not just at the end of Jesus' ministry, but very clear at the front of Jesus' ministry as well, that he doesn't just say, come follow me, he says, okay, go, right out of the gate. Right now we're in Luke chapter four, and in the next chapter, kind of still the earlier in his ministry, he's gonna call his first disciples in chapter five of Luke, and he's gonna go to uh, some fishermen, and he's gonna call them, and he's gonna say, come follow me. But it's not a period. It's a comma. He says, come follow me, and here's what we're gonna go do. I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up, they left everything behind, and followed him. Right out of the gate, as a follower of Jesus, we are, as part of that following, already in the get-go, discovering and discerning and pursuing our okay Go, that we want it to be in us and coming out of us. I love the way that uh, Pastor J.D. Greer uh, puts this. He says it this way. He says, the question for us is not, are you called? But where and how are you called? The question is not, are you called? We are all called. But instead, the question just really from there is, where and how are you called? Or as we are encouraging from Jesus' words here, Lord, show me my, I must. Show me where and how I am called so that I can discover in my okay what it is I'm supposed to go and give. Uh, and then we see this in Jesus. Verse 44, it says that Jesus didn't just say, okay, this is what I need to do. He did it. Verse 44, it says that Jesus, he kept on preaching, he kept on going, and he kept on going to all the towns of Judea, and so the same is for us. We need to keep on keeping on. We need to discover our okay go, and we need to keep pressing into that, because we know, as the examples laid out here, it's very easy for us to be distracted and deterred from our okay and our go. 
We see in the case of Martha how easy it is for us to be distracted from our okay. We see in the people of Capernaum how easy it is for us to be distracted from our go. That even when things are good, maybe especially when things are good. You know, we would say at this day and age, you may have heard the expression that, that good can often be the enemy of the best. Have you ever heard that? Good can subtly be, in a subtle way, be the enemy of God's best. Or for the case of Jesus, good could have been the enemy of his go, of his I must, and for us, even the good things can be the enemy of what God has called us to okay and go and do. And so what is it for you? What, what is it that is potentially holding you back from the okay go that God has for you? Maybe it is good things, like Jesus who had the goodness going for him in Capernaum but had to get past that to discover as I must. Maybe for you, as you look at, you know, we're kind of getting out of the holidays and revving back up into the schedules and the commitments and the responsibilities that we have in the new year, you see that you're calendar is pretty full. Uh, and, and in fairness, you might say, hey, this is a, there's a lot of good stuff in that calendar, but is it possible that as you pray and think and discern what God has for you in the okay time, that maybe some of those good things are preventing you from God's best things, from his okay go, from the I must that he has for you. But maybe on the flip side, you might say, well, I don't have a full calendar. In fact, I was very intentional maybe in my family to make sure that we wouldn't be running around chasing every activity and opportunity. In fact, we really don't do a whole lot of activities. And maybe if you're honest, you kind of pride yourself in not doing a lot of those kinds of things. And it's like, you know what? Every night at our house is family night because we don't have these things. And, and maybe in that goodness of setting up some boundaries in your family's life to make sure you're not running all over the place, maybe if you're honest with yourself, maybe those boundaries have become walls. Uh, walls that have maybe extricated you and your family uh, completely from the world that God has called you to okay and go and I must in. And so the point is not for me to pick apart or make the case that lots of activities or a moderate amount of activities or no activities is the way to go. The, the point is uh, I'm not the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit and you need to pray and discern and discover what it is that God has for you. Uh, Rubber to road, maybe this uh, spring as, you know, for a lot of you, I know there's a lot of activities in the spring like travel soccer, travel baseball that gets revved up and you've got to discern, okay, uh, maybe this is the year that rather than just being gone every weekend for that particular travel sport, uh, God has like three or four other things for our family that he wants us to invest in rather than just this, you know, all in for this sport. Uh, and maybe you need to discern if that's what God has for you. On the inverse, maybe you need to, you could say double down on travel soccer, double down on travel baseball and say, you know, God's, this is our people, God has called us to. We, uh, you know, maybe God's calling us to, on those weekends that we're traveling, like down in the hotel lobby on the Sundays or something like, you know, hey, we could do like a little devotion or something to offer whoever wants to do that. I could offer to like pray for the team before games. Um, maybe on like the one weekend in a million, we're not actually going somewhere. I could invite people to church, like Easter weekend or something. And so again, the point is not to tell you what to do or prescribe what to do, but to invite you into praying and thinking and discerning with the Lord what it is he has for you. Uh, and I don't say all this as some abstract idea. I mean, this, everything I just mentioned uh, is like torn right out of the page of like Team Talty's prayer book. I mean, we have discerned and wrestled with these things every year in our family life uh, as well. And so we, we have to think and pray. I call it prinking. 
It's kind of like brunch, lunch and breakfast. I call it prinking, where you pray and you think and you discern together. You can, you can steal that one, prinking if you want, uh, to decide and discern what it is that God has for you because it's your prayer and your understanding that we're all called to an I must, but Lord, would you show me my I must. Again, I've painted a picture of family life because that's where I'm at, but wherever you are at, whether you are you know, in singleness or a student or a retiree or an employee or a coach or a neighbor or a player, whatever the case may be, whatever your context is, Lord, show me my I must, and then, okay, go. And so those are kind of like the good things, you might say, but you might be sitting there thinking, okay, I've got some not so good things that are holding me up. You know, you might look at um, certain temptations that you continue to face or relationship challenges that, that, that continue to be barriers. Like, how am I supposed to show someone a relationship with God? I can't get my relationships here on earth. Where you might be looking at these bad things that you struggle with, you see them as blockades in your okay go, in your I must. Um, that it says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that, that Satan, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking to whom he might devour and you feel that you feel like he is devouring you in whatever situations that feel like you're holding you up from any possibility of okay going you can't even figure it out yourself but do not let that lie of satan creep in because it's the story of scripture from genesis to revelation of using those very things those darkest hardest things that we face or have faced in our life that are the greatest opportunity for god's work in you and through you uh, I love it in Genesis chapter 50 where Joseph uh, had a ton of bad stuff happen to him. Uh, comes to the end of his life and he's facing those who really meant some harm from his brothers, meant to kill him. And he says, it's okay. What you meant for evil, it really wasn't okay, but he said this. My understanding, he's come to terms that what you meant for evil, what you meant uh, to harm me, chapter 50 verse 20 in Genesis says, God has used for good. He says, to accomplish the saving of many lives, which is what he did. He saved a whole um, you know, area of the world from a famine through these difficult things. God used that for his good, for his glory, um, for his goodness, for the saving of many lives. And so for you, maybe you're uh, a person who's suffered with, with chronic pain uh, in some per portion of your body and it's like this silent thing that holds you back. Nobody knows about it or appreciates it, only you because that's how chronic pain works and you feel like, I just, I can't get past it, that this is really a blockade in my ability to okay, go. But I would ask, I would invite you to ask the Lord, okay, how could this actually be the beginning of my I must? Or maybe it's financial challenges or you're, you, know, you feel like you have always kind of this cloud over you and you say, okay, I can't, I can't, even, I can't even keep my act together. How am I supposed to help? You know, this, is, this, is, um, this is a block in my ability to okay go, but how might God be using maybe the financial challenges that you face as uh, the gateway, as the beginning to your I must? Maybe you struggle with depression and you feel like you, you can hardly uh, have the energy to get out of bed, let alone do anything for anyone else. And it, it could be that the depression that you battle is not the blockade, is not the, the limiting factor in your okay go, but that God actually wants to use that uh, and his enoughness, his strength is enough in the midst of your weakness as the beginning of your I must. Whatever it is, broken relationships, struggles, the things that you think are preventing you from what God is calling you to okay, go do, I would encourage you to just dig into that and see where could God be using that as an I must. 
You know, we think sometimes that when life is good, this is not my notes, so I should probably be careful, uh, that we're experiencing the goodness of God. And I would argue when things are good, you're really just experiencing the goodness of life. But when things are bad, when things are hard, when things are dark, when things are at their worst, it's in those moments that we see, not just in our own lives, but as exemplified throughout the stories and the characters of scripture, that God shows up the most, that we experience uh, the goodness of God in the midst of the not good stuff of life. And that furthermore, not just in you, but through you. Okay, is it in you? What is God doing in you through the midst of those difficulties, whatever challenges, that he could be using that to go ahead and go, that he wants to use your financial challenge, your broken relationships, your uh, chronic pain, your depression, your whatever it is you're facing as an opportunity to listen to someone else who is walking through that, to care for them, to minister to them, that God wants to use those greatest challenges as the greatest opportunity to work in you and through you, as it said in Genesis, for the saving of many lives. Because again, the question is not, are you called? But where and how are you called? My favorite example of a where and how are you called in the midst of difficulty actually comes from the Apostle Paul, who uh, is accredited for writing more than half of the New Testament letters to churches, uh, many of which he started on these missionary journeys. And so the Apostle Paul, and who we learn from as we understand how we do church, uh, he had, at the end of his life, he had this, um, this big goal that he wanted to go on, you could say, the ultimate mission trip. He wanted to go to Rome, like the epicenter of the known world. He wanted to go to Rome, where the people gathered uh, in the synagogues there and he was going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and so he's going to he wants to go to Rome as his final mission trip the big mission trip the grand poopa of all of them and in the end he ends up going to Rome but not on the mission trip that he had planned instead he ends his life going to Rome as a prisoner he goes in chains and so when it seems like all his plans are thwarted, that the okay go is over for him, that his I must has come to an end, we see these words written by the Apostle Paul while in prison in Rome, writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter one. It'll be on the screen. This is how Paul understood his pain, his prison, his chains in his life. He says it this way. He says to the church, he says, now I want you all to know, because he's writing to us, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually, everybody say actually, actually served to advance the gospel. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. So the palace officials, the uh, military leaders, uh, the political leaders, they're all coming clear to understand that everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And he says, verse 14, and because of, so I want to say because of, because of, that's a lot of syllables in sync. That's good work, people. All right, and because of my chains, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And so Paul, 
Instead of allowing his prison to be an excuse, he uses his prison as a pulpit to proclaim to the palace guard the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he says at the end of the Philippians, he said, uh, Roman officials greet you, which tells you that he's writing to the church from those who have become followers of Christ in the palace guard. He's writing as an encouragement to other Christians around the world who are facing persecution and problems to say, you too, if I can do it in chains and in prison, you too can proclaim, quote, the gospel without fear because that's who our God is. God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly for his glory. That's who he's always been, and that's what we must never miss, that wherever you're coming at in your life, in this situation, as you step into 2020, there is nothing too good or too ungood that can stop what God wants to do in you and through you if you allow him. In the okay go, in the discovery of your I must, in whatever context God has you for. And so to that end, let me pray for you now with the understanding that you're gonna keep praying that, Lord, show me my I must uh, throughout this series and all of 2020. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we forget the gospel the good news that it was never about us figuring it all out or getting our acts together, that we will never in our own strength do any of that. That in the good, the bad, and the ugly, we wanna surrender to you, whether it's the best days or the worst days, we wanna give you glory for your work in the middle of it. And so Father, I pray for my friends who, I know, we all got it, we either had a struggle that we're coming out of, we're in the middle of one, or there's one coming. The good, the bad, and the ugly, God, whatever it is, Help us this year by the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat distractions, to press through, to spend time in your word and pray and think and prink and whatever it takes, God, to discover our I must that you have for us. We pray as your church in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Uh, here in a moment, we're going to um, do something that we do uh, almost every week, as Jesus said, uh, as often as you gather, remember my sacrifice. Uh, through what we uh, would call communion, uh, where we take uh, bread that Jesus took on the night he was betrayed. He broke the bread, and he said, after that, he took the cup. Uh, he said, this bread is my body, and he said, the cup uh, is my blood poured out for you. Uh, and this understanding that in brokenness and being poured out in this sacrifice of Jesus' brokenness and his great struggle, we are given the gift of forgiveness and new life. We see God doing the goodness through what seems like an awful situation. And we remember that backwards, upside down way of Jesus in this moment of his death by remembering him through the bread and the cup. Um, but with that, I would encourage you, don't only remember what Jesus did for the forgiveness of our sin uh, in that moment, but also the model he gave us, that it is in brokenness, that it is in, as Paul would say later, I'll be poured out like a drink offering. It's in brokenness and being poured out, whatever it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that God wants to use in us as well, as modeled ultimately by Jesus, who went to the other towns as he said, I must, which would end in Jerusalem, which ended in his death for you and for me. It's for us, but it's also a model for us, given by Jesus. So we invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to remember that model and that sacrifice he's made for us. Uh, and if you're not, if you're like, hey, I'm still new to this, I'm checking it out, um, then I would encourage you to use this time as a different kind of I must prayer. Like, okay, God, um, I must 
find out what it means to be the recipient of this message, of this good news. And I would encourage you to just have an honest prayer with God about inviting him to lead your life, to forgive you of all the stuff, and to give you the gift of a new life that he wants to lead in you, both in 2020, all the days of your life, and frankly, into all of eternity. And so if you pray that prayer during this time, um, there's gonna be a time for prayer for all of us here in a little bit. I'd invite you to come forward and, and talk with somebody about what that prayer uh, looked like and how we can continue that conversation with God and a life with him in the days ahead um, as you continue to pursue all of us, uh, our I must for our lives. And so let's pray giving thanks for his sacrifice for all that. Lord Jesus, you came and you showed us what it means to live and to die to ourselves so that you could give us the gift of a new life. And so Father, we thank you for your sacrifice that made that possible as we remember both the sacrifice and step into the kind of sacrifice and surrender that you have for our lives as we discover our I must in you. We thank you for this good news of who you are what you've done and what you are doing and will do in the name of Jesus.